caution. The contents of this podcast may be historical, but they're still served piping hot. We're brewing up the classics here on the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast. My name is Asa. And I'm Allison. Now, we've made our fair share of enemies here on the podcast by offending various groups of instrumentalists. Most recently, you'll recall that we've poked fun at the noble bagpipes. Well, we are going to make good this week by looking into these grand and ancient instruments that are beloved the world over. If you live in North America, you'll likely have experience with bagpipe bands marching in parades and representing a noble Scottish heritage. And that's a very good observation, as the bagpipes really are a national symbol of Scotland. But more on that in just a little bit. Now, while they're a national symbol, we do hate to shatter anyone's idea that the bagpipe was invented in Scotland, because unfortunately, it most certainly wasn't. However, much of the bagpipe's early history cannot be corroborated and therefore falls into the potential myth and legend branch of history. Really, some forms of bagpipes can be traced all the way back to the Hittites and the Egyptians. During these times, the bag part of the bagpipe was likely made from the tanned hindquarters of dogs. A rude remark that was recorded during these early times of the bagpipes was, quote, you blow upon the posterior of a dog, which would equally be condescending nowadays. <laughs> the bagpipe then made its way around the Mediterranean, eventually finding favor amongst the Greeks and Romans. Apparently, Nero was praised for his wonderful piping skills and used his set of pipes to rouse the troops into battle. And if I may indulge then in a little speculation... Perhaps then it was the bagpipe rather than the fiddle that Nero played famously to watch his city burn, huh? Mm-hmm. Now, back in those days, once the Romans got a hold of something, it could really spread thanks to their expansive empire. And everyone knows that the Romans invaded and conquered the Britons around the 4th century AD, but according to legend, they did it with bagpipes. <laughs> So powerful and bellowing was the sound of the Romans' pipes that the horses of the Britons bucked and turned, and then the battle was forsaken. And after such a defeat, the Britons viewed the bagpipes as magical objects and endeavored to create their own version for their protection in the future. And thus, from Britain, the popularity of the bagpipes spread all over the British Isles. It has also been proposed that the Scots took inspiration for their Highland bagpipes from the Irish Celts with their Illin pipes, but it is possible this idea could have actually gone in either direction. Now, as a side note, Illin pipes use a bellows system to move air rather than being powered by the breathing of the player, but we'll get to all those mechanics soon. But in any case, once the bagpipes were in Scotland, they gained a strong foothold. Each Scottish clan apparently employed a piper or many pipers whose sole job was simply to play the bagpipes. They were paid well and well respected. And this is actually somewhat interesting, given how entertainers in other parts of the world at this time 
were often viewed as low-class and non-essential. But these clans really needed their pipers. So often were they going into battles that they really needed someone and something or sound to head up the ranks. Apparently, the drone of the Grand Highland bagpipe could be heard for up to 10 miles, thus making it more piercing and commanding in battle than just a beating drum or apparently even a trumpet. And then we come to yet another popular myth, and that is with the British Disarming Act of 1746 that the playing of bagpipes and the wearing of tartans was actually outlawed. It is rumored that people were tried for treason just for walking around with a bagpipe. But this, however, might not be so true. The wording of the act states the Scottish people could not wield any warlike weapon. But for so long, the bagpipe had been so closely related to battles that with some patriotic word twisting, it could sound as though the bagpipe was actually considered a weapon of war. But luckily, this act was repealed and people could go back to piping in peace. <laughs> of course, the Romans didn't just take over England, though. They traveled all over Europe. And as such, we actually see bagpipes springing up in Spain, France, Italy, Poland. Really, the list goes on all around the world. As you'll remember, in our last episode, when we were debating if Vivaldi could actually have heard the bagpipes to this mimic the sound in his spring concerto, it was actually likely referencing the Italian version, which is known as the Zampogna. But you know what? Enough history. Let's <laughs> yeah. talk about what the bagpipe actually is. <laughs> the picture you may have of your mind in a bagpipe is a fabric bag with various wooden dowels poking out of it at random angles. This is likely the Grand Highland bagpipe, and the modern Grand Highland bagpipe actually has five tubes in total, but likely bagpipes started out with just three, with more drone pipes added later. But we're getting a bit ahead of ourselves. So first off, of course, the main idea of the bagpipe is the actual reservoir airbag. So this is usually made of sheepskin, which is then covered with a decorative fabric. And by inflating this bag with air, it can then be squeezed by the player's arm while they take a breath, which thus allows a constant flow of air and therefore a non-stopped drone note. The player pushes air into the airbag through the blowpipe, which also has a one-way valve. Air can go in, but when the bag is being squeezed, the high pressure closes the blowpipe valves so that air cannot escape. And therefore, once the air is in the bag, it is then forced out of all the drone pipes and the chanter pipe. But what are drone pipes? And Allison, what are <laughs> chanter pipes? I will tell you. So as their name would suggest, the drone pipes play only one note. There is the bass drone and then two tenor drones. And these bass and tenors play an octave apart. Then the chanter, it actually has different finger holes and kind of looks like a recorder, and this allows the player to play a melodic line. Interestingly, the bagpipe can actually only play nine notes on this chanter. To actually make the sound going through these pipes, there are wooden reeds that look a whole lot like oboe reeds. So much like the oboe, as the air moves quickly through the reed, it will vibrate at a high frequency, thus producing the sound. But unlike the oboe, the player cannot articulate on the reed since they are blowing into the blowpipe, 
and the reed is all the way over in a different pipe on the other side of the bag. So, the articulations on the bagpipe are actually achieved via grace notes. You've of course heard us reference in the past the quote scotch snap rhythm, which is a quick note followed by a longer note. And of course, with this being the sole means of articulation on the Scottish bagpipe, this rhythm has come to represent a Scottish sound when used in orchestral music. Now, Alison, I have a confession to make. Oh, yes? I don't actually hate bagpipes. I think they're rather fun. (laughs) Okay, now, Asa, why would you even have to say that you don't hate bagpipes? Because it seems like a... It seems like a very common thing to, for some reason, hate bagpipes. Um, Honestly, the sound of the bagpipe is kind of iconic and uh, exciting in some cases. I guess that makes sense since it's a a battle instrument. But I I don't know why... um, (laughs) You know, sometimes I don't know why that has become so, I don't know, culturally relevant to hate bagpipes. You know, I feel like it's one of those things where it's like, oh, you know, the bagpiper, you know, they just they they play loud and obnoxious. But I mean, the same could be said for like, oh, the trumpet player, the drummer, like, I feel like all instruments are just loud. (laughs) Or like, oh, the violin (laughs) so harsh and squeaky or the oboe. It's nasally, too. Can't even stand it. And what about saxophones? Gosh, they're so loud. Come on. Oh, man. <laughs> I, I think you're like right. Just like anything, I think it the quality of a performance is elevated by the performer. And when you have a professional bagpipist, then you have a wonderful performance. Mm-hmm. And... And some of the pieces that we are having in the background today, you'll notice that the bagpipe is actually part of more of a an ensemble with different instruments. And it fits in quite nicely. Like, it's just some nice piping. It's just a different sound to be added in. It's not right. obnoxious like a horde of bagpipers all playing the same melody might be. <laughs> But then in that case, I feel like they still accomplish their goal of being a battle instrument to lead and mo- and uh, galvanize your forces and terrify the enemies. <laughs> terrify indeed. So hopefully we made good with the bagpipe community this week. As, as we've said here, we really don't hate you. We promise. <laughs> Indeed. And if you know a bagpiper that you think would love to listen to this little bagpipe history lesson, do go and share our our podcast with them via iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, wherever where their podcasts are sold. You will find the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast. Did you say giggle play? It might have come out that way, but uh, (laughs) we're going to leave it this time. For the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast, I'm Asa. And I'm Allison. Thank you so much for listening. Scotland the Brave was performed by the United States Air Force Bagpipe Band. Polka Para Puncho, composed by Ernesto Campos, was performed by Quimpayo. 
Mionara di Cascalexa, composed by Ernesto Campos, was performed by Crema de Gata. You can find The Coffee House on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Email us at coffeehouseclassical at gmail.com. Thank you.